0: Welcome to episode 25 of the Faith to Influence podcast. I'm Justin Janowski, your host. And today, my guest is a dear friend, Ian Koniak. Ian, you might know because he's one of the top salespeople in the world. He's been the number one salesperson at Salesforce in the past. He's been a million dollar annual earner. He's had tremendous success. And today, you might think that we'd be having him on to talk about sales, and we're not doing that at all. That's actually not the topic of today's interview because Ian experienced with tremendous success, tremendous temptation. He experienced what a lot of us experience in life, which is addiction. And he was addicted to a lot of different things. He was a a workaholic. He was addicted to alcohol and pot and sex and gambling and a number of different things. And he was also addicted to recognition and his ego, he says in his words, was overinflated or hyperinflated. And ultimately, he was losing his family. He felt lost in his life. He wasn't fulfilled by these things. He said that there was a void that he knows now only God and only love could fill. And he's a new Christian. He's had a complete miracle after a near-death experience and what he calls a rebirth that has him in a place right now where he's showing up as a better husband than ever before, a better father than ever before. He almost lost it all, and then God saved him, and he shares in complete and total vulnerability his story in today's episode. I think it may be the most important episode we've had on the podcast, certainly one of the most important. Ian, I honor you for your vulnerability, your honesty, and your willingness to share with us, and for all of you listening, take it in. Take notes. There's a lot of good things in here. And I'm sure that you're going to love it. I'll talk to you on the back end of the episode. Cheers. Ian Koniak is my guest. Ian, thanks so much for being on the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, Justin.
0: Ian, you have been on a wild journey in your life, some parts of which our listeners might not be able to relate to, many parts of which they will be able to relate to. And you know, as we had a conversation, you just shared more of your story over the last several months One of the recognitions that you shared with me as somebody who's earned over a million dollars annually as a salesperson before, you thought that success and happiness and joy was about things that were different than what they're actually about. And you've experienced a lot of pain. You found that kind of money, that kind of success professionally didn't produce what you wanted in your life. And you've been through quite a transformation over the last four months. I'm wondering if you'd be willing to share that story, that transformation with our listeners.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess uh, my awakening, I will say, started uh, December 28th, 2018. So about a year and a half ago. And that awakening was, I was at Six Flags Magic Mountain, which is a uh, theme park near my house in Los Angeles. And I decided to go on a roller coaster called Tatsu, which is a flying coaster. Mm -hmm. And To make a long story short, this is a coaster that has the track above your head, and you hang down below the track like Superman. So all of your weight goes on your chest strap, and you simulate flying. It's the Mm. highest roller coaster in the park. And I was very scared. I'm afraid of heights, and especially afraid of falling off this thing when all your weights face down. Well, I decided to go on that coaster, and sure enough, we get to the very top of the Roller coaster, and we're about to go through a 180 foot drop at the peak of the park, and the ride gets stuck and stops. Mm. And I am up there for 30 minutes, hanging with all my weight on my chest. People are passing out, people are screaming, people are videotaping from or videotaping. They're, they got their cell phones out mm-hmm. from the very, very bottom, screaming at us. Some saying it's going to be okay. Others saying you're all going to die. You get the best and the worst in those situations. Mm. But as I was hanging there, I was panicked and truly almost hyperventilating. And then I prayed. Mm. I started praying to God. And that very same day, I had been listening to a podcast on the five regrets of the dying. It's a, a woman called um brawny weir and she wrote a book called the five regrets of the dying and she was on a podcast as a guest talking about what people regret in their life Mm. i was already thinking about dying and i was hanging off this coaster thinking i was going to die and at that moment i made a promise to god and i said god i am not going to wait any longer to start serving people and to start helping people and i know that i have a voice and I know I've been through a lot of shit in my life, a lot of challenges from my father dying to struggling with addiction to um, you know, failing in business to becoming the number one rep at an enterprise software company. I can't keep all this to myself. I know that I need to lead people and help people through my example. And I said, God, I'm not going to wait any longer. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm going to start um, helping people, not keeping this to myself and just being selfish. And the moment I prayed and I promised, that's when the roller coaster started going. Wow. And at that moment, I I said, you know, I thank God and I truly was so just relieved to be alive. I, I was thinking about my wife, I was thinking about my son, and I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna serve. I'm gonna serve people. I don't know what it's gonna look like. And that same day, my dog of 17 or 18 years dies as well. So I start the day thinking about the podcast of death and regrets of the dying. I think I'm going to die hanging off the roller coaster and my dog dies. So it wow. was like, sometimes God gives you a little nudge. Other times he'll shake you and say, wake up. I'm trying to encourage you, but you need to wake up and you just have one of those life changing moments. And that's what I had when I thought I was going to die. Now, some people might say, you know, you were just being paranoid, but hanging hundred feet, 180 feet above cement with a ride that's broken upside down with blood rushing your head, believe me, you, you think you are going to die. And it's, it was traumatizing in many ways. And so at that moment, I just realized life is way too short. This is before I got into Christianity and learned about the kingdom and, and the promise of, of the future. But mm-hmm. at the time, I, I was truly, and, and I still believe in in, in some ways that we do have to make the best of this life and and we're put on this earth for a reason. And and my reason was to make an impact and make a difference. And so I started producing videos every single day. I I wanted to do a 365 day video challenge. I put it on Instagram and every day for almost a year, I put a motivational video out and it started me on this journey of giving people, saw the videos, they invited me to podcasts. And then, you know, I got featured in, in some articles and, just um, was was started training in sales, sales Salesforce within my company, training people. And all the while my ego started blowing up. And Mm -hmm. I just realized, Holy, Holy cow. I, I am just the greatest thing since sliced bread. Whenever I talk, people listen, I can communicate. I, this stuff rolls off my tongue and I got absolutely hyperinflated in terms of my you know, my ego, I was getting thousands of followers on, on, on Instagram. I was basically um, getting a lot of uh, positive feedback and it was going to my head. So I substituted one fleshly desire with the desire of money for another desire of recognition and, and, and uh, feeling like I was, I was worthy through external validation, which I was already getting through making a lot of money. Cause I had to prove myself that I was capable of being number one at, at Salesforce And so all the while during this year, I started getting further and further apart from my wife. Mm. And I mentioned I struggle with addiction. I was in straight denial of my addiction. Mm. I was this whole time I'm giving advice and making videos. I'm being a hypocrite and living a double life, indulging in my addiction, indulging in, um, you know, truly just, just. Uh, egocentric activity to, to make myself feel better. And another God moment, and, and I and I only can can thank and give God full credit for that, was in February of this past year. So I proved I could be the best at Salesforce. I proved that I can produce content that people like, that resonates. I started a business last year, a coaching business that I filled up my client book of business immediately and and now have a full book of coaching clients. In addition to, um, to, to working at Salesforce. So what do you think this did to my marriage in my relationship? All my time was focused on serving others. When meanwhile I was neglecting the people in my own home who needed me most Mm. distancing myself. In addition, I started judging my wife. I started saying, well, why can't she be like me? Why can't she have more hobbies? Why can't she do more work? My wife, bless her soul, is the most spiritual, God-abiding, humble, meek woman, beautiful woman. And yet here I was trying to make her like me because I was so self-infatuated. And in February of this year, I came clean with my addiction to my wife. And I told her I'd been living a double life. And I told her that I was committed to... Truly changing. And I don't know why I told her. I can only say it was by God's will that I needed to get this off my chest so I can truly start to serve the way God wanted me to serve, not the way I wanted me to serve. Mm. So I've been living in my own human will my whole life. And the minute I told my wife, at that point, she was pregnant. And unfortunately, we had to rush to the hospital because she was in such shock and so upset from you know me basically hiding things, and again, I didn't think I was an addict because I was performing at such a high level, running businesses, had the dream life, financially stable, right? And and it was something I didn't do very frequently, right? But when I did, it was inappropriate. And and for anyone listening, I'm I'm happy to share. It was sexual related, going to strip clubs, in um, pornography, that type of thing, right? Where I didn't think that was cheating. Well, in God's eyes, absolutely it is. In my definition of cheating was having an affair and having a woman on the side. And I thought, well, this is just stuff men do. They just go and I'm out of town. No big deal. Well, when I told my wife what had been happening, or when I should say, when God told my wife through me, because I I don't know why I told her to this day, Mm. she started not just crying, but uncontrollably crying to the point Mm. where she was on the ground, nearly convulsing, in our bedroom and i will never forget that day it was february 13th of this past year and what i thought was harmless because i had no feelings and no attachment and i compartmentalized actually nearly destroyed her
2: mm.
1: and we at that moment she she's pregnant and she started Having contractions. Well, at this time, she was about four months ago. She was four months pregnant. Now she's eight months pregnant. And we had to rush to the hospital. And during that ride, I carried the weight of not just have I just destroyed my wife, I, I almost have destroyed my unborn baby. I, I if I if my baby dies right now, I'm responsible for this. And God bless, you know, the, the miracle of life. For me, that's what it took to wake up, unfortunately. And I had all the success in the world. I have the most beautiful family. I had the best, my dream home. I was the top dog. And yet I was living a life that could have destroyed my wife by lying. And I have a view on pornography. And in my life to this day, that was over four months ago. I have not looked at porn. I have not engaged in any type of activity out of integrity in my marriage. But I was so stubborn and so... Just haughty that I thought I was right and she was wrong, and just dismissed her feelings about this, and the fact that I did this showed me that that I needed to get help, the fact that I just thought I was right because it wasn't just in my marriage, it was in other things too, in friendships I you know was judging I was judging other people and and I without looking you know in, in the mirror in myself and to make i know this was supposed to be a short story but to make to make this make sense so we get to the hospital and thank god she was in such shock that her body uncontrollably was reacting that way by having contractions but the, the baby's okay he's healthy he's due next month well at that moment i decided to do what's called a full disclosure to my wife and i went through everything i had ever done since the day i met her every strip club i went through receipts every webcam I went on, any activity I did, traveling, everything, including getting a woman's phone number when we were at a bar, which, which absolutely was unacceptable, flirting, all these things that I just thought was, was okay, I disclosed to her. I took a polygraph test after this to show that I was telling the truth, and she left a few days later, and she said, I can't be, be with you, I don't know what the future holds, but you know we can't be together. And so she went to her parents' house and I remember those, you know, she was gone almost a week and that week I truly was, you know, every day praying and um, all I can do was, was stay sober. All I can do was not turn to my medicine and I'm not just talking about sex. My medicine was anything you can give me, right? For those that are listening that struggle with being workaholics that struggle with making thinking they have to be externally successful through their income, their performance or accolades. That is a form of addiction. And I was a workaholic as much as I was any other addict. I would medicate with alcohol, with pot, with sex, with gambling, with just getting out of town, with working. I could not be still in, 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 I think there is probably nine out of 10 people have something that I just mentioned in this world. If they're not in fully, um, you know, in the spiritual realm, and just living every day with the awareness that that I fortunately was brought into through going through a twelve step recovery program mm-hmm. and so my my um guidance and, and my message it, it's amazing so so playing playing it back i the past four months have been the hardest but also the most rewarding fulfilling just amazing months of my life because I finally am accepting myself not hiding this addict in a closet not pushing this part of me that i always just denied because it didn't align with how i viewed myself it was just some something it was a skeleton and having it out on the surface addiction thrives in in secrecy having it out in this in in the surface and sharing it and knowing that i am okay and that god still loves me and that after confession after um you know, going through a disclosure after being away five days, my wife came back uh-huh. and she, it wasn't easy. I was staying in, you know, we have a back house um, where I work out of, I was staying there for a while. Then I moved into the guest room and now I'm back in my own bed. And a few weeks ago, my wife put her, her ring back on and we pray together. We study the Bible together. We go to church every Sunday and I, I've just had a rebirth uh-huh. and I, I can't explain it other than Miracles are only evident when, you're, when your eyes are open to seeing them. And God's working miracles every single day. And, and I'm living, walking proof that if you turn your will to what you want as a human, it's always going to be unrewarding, right? You're always going to feel this, this need, this, this, this void that only God can fill. And that only true love can fill for your brother, for your fellow brothers and your, um, your, your wife. The fact that my wife only knew part of me was like she, she married someone else and she didn't even know it. So when I came clean and she still accepted me and decided to love me in my flaws, it showed me what God, the love that God has for me. And, and it just, it, it just rocked my whole world, turned everything upside down on its head. So I know that's very personal, and, and I just I share this with the hope that my story is not unique. That why are there fifty percent of divorces in this country? Why why are there so many deaths from addiction and alcohol and, and so many people? It's because they are trying to fill a void that only God can fill, and I just. I mean, I'm like the, the poster child for living in your will and then going to God's will. And I still don't know entirely what God's will is, but I, I can take a pretty good guess. It's being faithful. Mm. It's being honest. It's giving, it's loving your brothers. It's not judging. It's, it's truly being a vessel for goodness. And, and, and he's inside all of us. And I just, uh, unfortunately I've had a lot of um, bad things have to happen to me to realize that And now I'm starting, you know, the rest of my life through, I'm very fortunate. I'm 41 and I have half my life ahead of me at least with God's, you know, grace and and I want to use it to help people awaken to what's most important, which is to be the husband and the father and the friend mm-hmm. and the person that God wants us to be.
0: Mhm. Ah. Oh, amen. Man, I felt really emotional at a couple points during your story, man. And uh you know, we, we chatted about your story before we started click and record and your vulnerability, your willingness to share and like be totally authentic and totally real about your story just means so much to me. And I know that we have listeners paying attention to this story who are experiencing some of the same things. And some of them know they've got a problem. They know that chasing success and sex and money and overworking and like pursuing substances and all these different addictions, all these different ways to try to feel better. They know that it's not working. They know they've got that void that you're talking about. And hopefully as they listen to this, they're encouraged. You know, as you're four months sober from these addictions, healing your marriage, healing your relationship with God, healing your relationship with yourself and your fellow brothers and sisters on this planet. And there are others who are listening to this who've been in denial. Like you were, how long would you say you were in denial? 30 years. Mm. I
1: I first discovered porn when I was 13 years old Mm. and I discovered it. um, You know, unfortunately in both my parents' homes, there was, there was pornography. My parents were separated. And um, you know, I remember looking at my dad's playboys when I was you know five or six years old and being fascinated by, by what I saw. And I, I, found my first porn at 13 and, um, you know, I, I had been, uh, just, that was just part of being a guy, you know, and and I really did not think twice about it. Right. Mm -hmm. But as I've gone into, um, addiction recovery, specifically for sex addiction, what, what I realized is, is, um, especially sex, you know, I I never would say Mm -hmm. like premarital sex. I don't know what I would do if I was single. I, I might have a different view, but, but it's such a holy, wonderful, um, Mm -hmm. you know, experience for a man and a woman. And when you're basically looking at porn or giving that to someone else or going to strip clubs or whatever, you're, you're basically, um, you know, you're, you're truly, uh, giving something that's meant for, um, your wife to, to someone else. And, 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 and I just didn't, uh, I didn't really think twice about it. Honestly. I mean, I went, I just remember, sex was around me all the time and it was Mm -hmm. like that was in our bro culture that was a validation so i wanted the the hottest woman i wanted Mm -hmm. you know to to get laid um at a young age and i always sought sought validation through yeah you know through sex if a woman would sleep with me it was like i was you know worthy right And, and then i got married and well i was cheated on i'll take a step back and and I really, I mean that—that that to me was such a not from my wife, but from a living girlfriend. Um, mm. And that kind of made my addiction really go back because I felt so rejected. I felt like I wasn't wanted. I felt like less of a man. And you know, you can get it
2: mm.
1: without having to to work for it, if you will, right? In in these environments, you go to a strip club, and you know, people are worshiping you, and you think you're great. Well, it's all false, right? You go um, out you know, in in terms of sex is everywhere and it's available at a click of a button. And this is for dating apps too. I know single guys that are literally hooked on these dating apps and they are doing the same thing. They're sleeping and sleeping. And it's like almost like, their dignity is going out the window and then it's and they're so lonely and they're so yeah. they know they don't think they have a problem because it's like but but all of them are empty and, and yes. I'm not gonna obviously disclose, but I do a lot of coaching and this stuff comes up over and over again. And mm-hmm. um it's it's amazing the 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 toxicity a- and the 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 sickness that our culture has with, with pornography in particular mm-hmm. and the rampant porn everywhere and, and mm-hmm. the, the addiction to porn. And even with COVID, um, pornography has been, unfortunately, um, you know, porn companies like Pornhub were giving it away because people are at home and taking advantage, and their business is skyrocketing. And um, the stats that that I've seen in, in being part of this community are are mind boggling as far as impotence that it's causing. People will go to porn versus their wife, and it just by not having that as an option, by cutting that off, my Intimacy with my wife has been so much greater. My love, our connection, our respect for each other. Um, I- intimacy uh, in in my group, I have found people that truly all they want to do is be the best husbands they can be, be faithful, be, set the example because they know what what could happen on the other side. And and thank God I didn't take it further. Thank God I didn't have a full blown affair. Thank God I didn't, you know, go go down a road. But. Almost all the guys in this program have, you know, a lot of them have been married 30, 40 years. And, and now they're revealing 35 years, but they're still coming to a place where they they realize that that this is, is just a form of, of medicine for them. And, and it's it is the number one addiction in, in the the US right now. Above alcohol, above drugs, is is um, sex, including pornography. And it's just something that people don't talk about. Um, and, and I say this because For me, it's not about the addiction at all. Addiction is a form of not being okay with yourself, not being still, not being able to sit, having to constantly feed yourself versus letting God feed you. That's what addiction is. It's a symptom. It's not, the problem is not sex. The problem is not alcohol. The problem is not drugs. The problem is that we can't be And we don't think we're enough and we're we're uncomfortable in our own skin. And so we need to alter our state through working so much, through keeping busy, through addiction, addictive activities. Yes. And everybody struggles with this thing. So yes, I may be vulnerable. I may be sharing stuff that probably, you know, you know, is, is very personal. But the reality is it's too important a topic not to talk about. And I talk about these things and and the fact that I could not watch pornography or masturbate for for four months when I had been doing that almost daily for, you know, 30 years is a testament to God's will. It's a testament to, um, and I say this while I'm crushing it at business, while I have my family here, while I've built the home of my dreams, while I am a top performer at Salesforce, right? Because all that success caused a lot of stress when you're when you're in a successful position when you own a business or when you're a top performer and you're an entrepreneur there is so much stress that companies if you do not have an outlet you will Mm -hmm. anger right rage that's one of one of god's sins as well god Mm -hmm. hates absolutely hates a hot temper he wants mildness he wants Mm self-control addicts are the opposite they've lost control so for me to be in recovery, I have found God. I have found Amen. a voice that I never thought I even knew. And, and you know, it, it is, if, if you feel shame and you keep your secrets, then then they they grow inside of you like weeds. Mm. But when you share, when you fully accept is truly when you can heal. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just, I'm at a point where it's a big part of me. I go to meetings yeah. every day and, and I share and, and I don't judge. I thought I was going to meet a bunch of perverts or, crazy people but a lot most of them are just like me they're just people that realize that the pursuit of sex outside of their marriage or if they're single you know outside of a committed relationship has cost them um you know the 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 connection with with their significant others and, and yeah. potentially could cost them more yeah and, and so i i just by by god's grace this was the one thing there's other things don't get me wrong right i still get you know, my temper sometimes gets the best of me. I got a four-year-old, and you know, he, he's on the autism spectrum, and the patience required to, you know, to to, you know, support him at bedtime and through meals, and it, it's just uh, at another level. And sometimes I, you know, I can I can I can lose my my patience or blow up. Um, same thing with my wife. But but I tell you, it, it's I'm at such an awareness now when when I do, and and, and never will I go back. To what I was doing before to medicate, I'll, I'll go. I'll call someone. I'll pick up the phone. I'll go on a bike. I'll go on a walk. I'll go um, meditate. I will um, read a book. I, I, I will just change my state so I'm not going there because that's the easy way. The Easy way is just to medicate, to pick up a drink, to go, you know, take a, you know, smoke or gummy or whatever. Yeah. In the 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 godly way, I'll say is to to breathe and to connect, and to pray. Amen. So I started praying every day. I mean, I'm just a different person in four months, and I can't wait to see what life has in store. But the dangers of success, man, getting back to your original question, we're not even an interview, I'm just talking. So getting back to to your question, what is important, what I've realized, is not making all the money in the world. What's important is being honest, helping people, helping your customers, putting down your need to constantly validate your worth and realizing that you are worthy just by being you. And it takes a lot of practice because if you're raised this way and everything society tells you and forces it and everything that, you know, other people expect, it's like you're, you're, you know, constantly, it's like a constant struggle, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. It's only, it's a transformation. The struggle is like when you resist it. You'll hear that voice coming back saying, "You need to, 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 you know, to to, to work eighty hours a week. You need to mm-hmm. you know, stop all this nonsense of of volunteering, you know, with with your program and mentoring, and focus on your customers. You need to make this much money. That's not mm-hmm. that, that's just the ego and in, in, in the societal voice that we've been programmed for so long. But God's voice is is no. You need you are right where you need to be. You are worthy, and you are loved, and you are accepted. And, and, and all you can do is pray for God's will and the power to carry it through. Mm-hmm. And and doing things like this means that in doing coaching and in doing um, you know, meetings through, um, through my addiction addiction twelve step, is all stuff that's not, um, you know, not not making me money so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not working at Salesforce if I'm doing those things but I am feeding my soul and um, I believe doing God's will in in a lot of these moments by, by getting, you know, by by helping people that may be struggling um, and by getting help. And the, the, the other thing is just my marriage, just the time I spend with my wife, you know, turning off my cell phone and turning off my computer when I get home and making her dinner at night. And helping her, and she's pregnant, and helping her with you know all the things around the house and cleaning and doing yeah. things that I just just dismissed before. You know, I could sit, give a whole talk on just marriage and what it takes to um, to have a good marriage because I had a bad one, and now it's been better than ever. It's not because um, it, it's time. It's time and connection. You, you what you spend time you pick, if I can break it as simply as as possible, Justin you spend time on what you value, period. If you value making a lot of money, you're going to spend your time making a lot of money. If you value your marriage, you're going to spend a lot of time on your marriage. If you value a relationship with your children, you're going to make the time for your kids. If you value helping people, you're going to volunteer, you're going to serve, you're going to go on podcasts, you're going to, you know, if you value God and your relationship, you're going to pray, you're going to go to church. So the things I'm doing that are different every day are going to my meetings. I'm praying every day. I'm going to, I'm studying the Bible most days with my wife. I'm going to church every week. I'm connecting with her. I'm helping around the house. I'm cooking probably three or four days a week. Mm -hmm. I'm just doing things that are not for myself and my ego and my will, but for my family and for God and for others. Mm -hmm. And it's just been a different kind of value system because I'm not going to make a million dollars this year. I promise you, I won't. You know what? I'll make 300 plus and yeah. you know what? I can survive off 300,000 plus. Yeah. So it's, it's just, you have to accept and let go of this old value system mm. because otherwise you'll slip right back. And that's, mm. that's what's cool about recovery is you're always in recovery. You're always going mm. to be in these meetings and eventually all I have a sponsor right now and he's a pastor at a church. And so it's so mm. amazing because he's using God's word and mm. oh man, the pastor community is one of the highest sex addiction um, clients, you'd be shocked how many pastors there are in that community, or former pastors. Um, and it's just, it's crazy to me um, how, how Christianity, how pervasive it is through the 12-step program as a source of, of, of help and hope for, for people that are broken, in knowing and accepting they are broken, and that's how God made us, right? We, he made us so we have our will. And our will is is never our our thoughts are always going to be below God's thoughts. Our, yes. you know, actions are always below God's actions. So it's it's been, yeah, it's just been a been been such an amazing journey, man. And and I'm glad to share this. This is the first time I've ever shared this publicly. So, uh, um, um, thank you,
0: thank yeah. you for sharing it with us. Thank you for being a leader. Leaders go first, and hopefully, this the result of this is so many more people, so many more men, especially looking at themselves and taking a real look below the surface, taking off the mask, honoring the truth and getting the help they need. And then as they get the help they need, doing what you're doing, which is leading others to get the help that they need. And, you know, you you said it to me as we were discussing before we, we clicked record that, you know, ultimately your life can be an example of God's work, an expression of God's miracles, an expression of God's love. It can be used in so many wonderful ways for the kingdom. And you mentioned a couple of things, Ian, I I wanted to get to is, do you want to respond to that briefly though first? No,
1: no, I agree. I think that's what God's will is. Uh, Honestly, we talk about this. If I keep it to myself, I'm in, you know, I have to be humble in recovery. It's only been four months. I can't say I, you know, but there's never a perfect time. It could be a year or two years There's people who are three years and I go, I'm not ready. No, at some point you even being on the journey Yes. You're ready because you're on the journey. Four months uh, become five months become six months. Man, I was reading like uh, just the stats on, on this problem in the U.S. It's are, are just mind-boggling. It absolutely is mind-boggling.
0: It's yeah. shocking, shocking. By the way, if you want some statistics, if you're listening to this, and maybe you're not faith-based, and you want some non-faith-based statistics and ideas around why pornography and sexual addiction are a challenge, check out fightthenewdrug.org. It's got a lot of interesting information. A couple of things that you mentioned I want to respond to is, is one, the idea that people go to their addictions, they go to sex, they go to alcohol, they go to substances, they go to gambling uh, out of a desire for medicine because they're hurting, they're in pain. And you know, a good friend of mine, Tommy Breedlove, who we had on the podcast recently, great episode to check out as well. Tommy has had a background too in addiction and pain and spent some time in jail and like had his life completely changed and shifted. In beautiful ways kind of like what you're talking about and he shared on social media today the difference between pursuing relief and restoration and that relief is what we're pursuing when we go to our addiction it's when we go to our phone it's when we go to pornography or whatever it might be like this momentary relief that doesn't really last versus how can we give ourselves the medicine that does last when we think about the medicine of relief or addiction you know, the side effects are dramatic. They're way worse than the original problem as you're kind of sharing here. And instead, if we could go to the medicine of restoration, which might mean time in nature, it might mean time with God, prayer, reading, going you know, to counseling or therapy or the groups that you're talking about, yeah. all of these other things, exercise, going on that bike ride, that walk, many of the things you're talking about, they can provide restoration, and of course, God is and Jesus are the ultimate source of restoration rather than momentary relief. And the, pot, the wonderful thing about it is that medicine, that restoration medicine, has side effects that are wonderful mm-hmm. instead of side effects that hurt. All the side effects of those things are really good. And so I want to just encourage our listeners, choose restoration over relief. And I also want to talk about the point of validation that you referenced, which is the idea that. Ultimately, people pursue these things because they're wanting to feel better about themselves, feel like they're enough. And somebody that I really respect, a a writer, is John Eldridge, a Christian writer, wrote the book uh, The Way of the Wild at Heart, uh, one of my favorite books. He also wrote Wild at Heart, which is his first book uh, of the two. And he talks about how all men throughout their lives or boys as they're becoming men are trying to answer the question, do I have what it takes? And for our female listeners, he suggests that, him and his wife suggest that many women are growing up trying to answer the question of, am I lovely? So do I have what it takes? And am I lovely? And we're looking for validation to those questions oftentimes. And interestingly enough, both boys and girls will oftentimes look to their father's to validate them and to answer that question. A boy will look up to their dad and hope that their dad will affirm in them that they are in fact enough and they have what it takes. And a girl will look to their dad and question, am I lovely and hope that their dad will affirm in them again and again and again that they are wonderful and they are lovely. And if we do not get this affirmation from our fathers, then we'll oftentimes spend the rest of our life trying to prove ourselves or receive that validation in other ways. And of course, we should be going to our Heavenly Father, but this is also encouragement for earthly fathers, regardless of what you've done so far, it's not too late, to begin to show up in a way that validates for your sons or for the young men in your community around you. They don't have to be biologically your son, but men that you can father. We need to be validating each other that we have what it takes to lead an important, impactful, meaningful, God-like Life that's good for the kingdom. And we ought to be validating the girls around us that they are lovely, they are wonderful, they are worthy. They don't need validation from a man or from sexuality or from something else to tell them that they are enough because they are enough already. The moment they're born, they're enough in God's eyes. And we need to be affirming that, especially men, but all of us. But I'm speaking to you know, I know we have a lot of men who are listening to our podcast and speaking to you, men. I'm calling you to be the fathers that god calls you to be and of course i'm calling all of us to look to god our father in heaven who loves us through all of our mistakes and affirms all the time that we're lovely and we have what it takes and a final thing i want to share and then i want to ask you a couple more questions is as you were sharing i was thinking about some faith to influence content on the enemies of christ like masculinity and one of them is addiction and we're talking about that right now that is an enemy of Christ like masculinity, being like Jesus in the way that we show up as men. Other ones, I just wanna mention because you might be struggling with this and you might need to go through a similar process to Ian with these same addictions or these same enemies. One is passivity, another is fear or focusing too much on the future, another is regret or focusing too much on the past rather than living in the present moment that God wants us in, another is hate. We've obviously been talking about that. That's been a conversation across our country recently. That hate is an enemy of Christ-like masculinity, especially when it's directed towards people. There are certain maybe behaviors or things or sins that we ought to hate, but not people. Emotional distancing. Men are guilty of this sometimes, which is just saying I'm not gonna share my emotions. It sounds like, Ian, as you were sharing that You used to kind of be closed off to your emotions. You would close them off so you didn't have to feel the consequence of what you were doing. You would close yourself off from your wife and emotionally distance so you wouldn't feel so guilty likely. Distraction is another. Just going straight to our phone or going to, of course, addictions and other things. to Distract ourselves from just being, as you were talking about, abusive behavior is another one. And like, I think you're right. When addiction, distraction, hate, emotional dissonance, passivity, fear, regret, when these first ones are there, then oftentimes they result in that abusive behavior. Arrogance is the next one. And you're referencing that when you're talking about ego being a huge problem and a huge catalyst for like the problems that you had around addiction. And then greed or over-pursuit of comfort. Either one of those can be a challenge. And so I wanted to share that. Because I know that some people relate to exactly what you're going through. And for others, it was something else on that list. And we need to work through all of these things. And we, by the way, you are not alone. When we have our retreats, we do three-day retreats at Faith to Influence. We have people come out, spend some time with us live, and work through these kinds of things. And we come around a fire together. And guys share vulnerably, like Ian did on this call, and throw things into the fire. And some of these things, exactly what you're talking about, pornography, gambling, uh. Substance abuse, abusive behavior, bad relationships, unfaithfulness. These are the things that are coming to the fire again and again and again with these men. And of course, we protect their shares and it's a space where it's safe to have those shares. And so if you're listening to this and you've never been to a retreat with us, and you'd like to have support working through these things while also having tremendous sales, business and leadership success, but in the right way. And honoring your relationships and honoring God, we'd love to talk to you about that. Feel free to send us a message at support at faith And we would love to invite you to a retreat. We'd love to talk to you about that. If it's not a fit for you as we conversate about it, it's not in the right price point for you or whatever. It's not the right timing. We'll pray for you and we'll receive you and support you in that way. So Ian, so many good things here. I want to, I want to zero back in and ask you another question about something that you shared, which is that you have not grown up a Christian. You have become a Christian, it sounds like, through your pain, through your experience, through your addiction, that God came to you in your darkest place. Can you tell us a little bit about that and, and what it was like to experience Jesus coming to you?
1: Well, I think um, it's best shared with the scripture, if you mm-hmm. want to talk about Please. you know my journey. And, and it's Ephesians 2, verses 1, 1 through 3. It says, furthermore, God made you alive though you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you at one time walked according to the system of things in this world, according to the ruler of the authority of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Yes. Among them, we all at one time conducted ourselves in harmony with the desires of our flesh, carrying out the will of the flesh and of our thought. and We were naturally children of wrath, just as the, rest Mm. and for me it's not that i went to god or that i went to christianity um what this what christianity gives me is an explanation right um my wife always tried to explain this to me and i I just didn't believe her i was like oh nonsense because you know again i'm coming from this place of i'm right i know best and in being stubborn and, and arrogant to to your to your points you know earlier i was living those things and so when she told me that Satan is given basically the keys to the the earth and he's ruling on earth, I said, that's a horrible, horrible way to look at it. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking of Satan as this evil person that's causing death and destruction and war and famine. It's not what Satan is, right? Satan is, is it's the way I see it. It's the yin and the yang. It's, it's our human desires and Satan knows what your, your, You know, weaknesses are, and he'll lure you and tempt you with those weaknesses. Mm. Literally, when I went into my recovery, I took off all my apps from my phone. I took off Instagram. I I put filters on my computer. I completely blocked it off so I could not access porn, Mm. okay? And the one person in the world, the one person in the world who happened to be I won't say an acting out partner, but he, he was a his sex addict himself and he slept with hundreds of women and, you know, very lonely, very depressed, but always goes to women for his validation and go, goes to these dating apps, these Tinders or, um, whatever. I don't, I don't know. Um, hitch, I, I don't know the names of all the apps, but when we were on one of our retreats, actually through, um, the, the program that I know you from, um, this guy was out there meeting up with women on the retreat. Mm them images of these women on his phone right i mean i'm like man go go for this one go and i was like his partner in crime and even though i didn't do anything i was like living through him and and on one of the trips this guy goes and and he goes into town we were in costa rica and he goes into town and he gets a bunch of prostitutes on this trip okay and and he was trying to lure me to go and i didn't i said i'm not going i'm married fortunately I, i i you know knew better than that but it was like I'm not going to call him Satan, but he was like the embodiment of, you know, trying to tempt me. Right. And so these, you know, I get into sobriety and in a few days, you know, maybe three weeks into sobriety, I, I, um, I, I have to go on a plane cause I'm giving a, a sales conference. I'm speaking in a sales conference as a keynote. Well, sure enough, the guy who's sitting next to me on the plane is the same guy. Wow in the same conference of all the planes of all the times he didn't even live in la he lived an hour from la Mm. for him to be sitting next to me takes out his phone say, which woman should i go so i couldn't access instagram i couldn't access youtube i couldn't access you know all these places where i could basically look at you know racy pictures or you know inappropriate content right because it could be bikinis it could be whatever so I, i was um you know, I was going on Instagram and looking at like women and Instagram is its own, it's its own problem. Right. Because you can Mm -hmm. find anything there. And my wife was like super disappointed there. Well, I, I I got rid of my account. I got rid of, um, or on my phone, I got rid of the app and he takes out his phone. He's like, check this out. So here I was, I had the opportunity, Mm -hmm. even though all these measures I had taken, this guy shows up. Right. And I can't tell, I can name 10 times that are just like this where I was literally tempted with something that was like brought to me in my face, in my face.
2: Yeah.
1: And and I told him, I said, dude, I'm in recovery. I don't want to see it. And I'm sorry. But but that that to me was like there's God and God can give you signs like hanging off a roller coaster or um I have these moments where I don't know if they're angels or God or what, but physical manifestations of things that are just too impossible to to ignore right um and, and again i know i know we we don't have unlimited time because i can talk to you um but but i have a, a example um so so i resisted him and i said i'm sorry this is this is not what you know what i want to be doing and i just ignored him and the whole ride there to the the the, the um the hotel he's trying to tempt me and i'm like i'm sorry I, I can't do this right and so the 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 whole um uh, the first John five nineteen says, "We know that we originate with God, but the whole world is lying in the power of the wicked one." Mm. So for me, it gave me an explanation as to why I did the things that I've done.
2: Mm.
1: And, and there's a great book. It's by Napoleon Hill. He wrote Think and Grow Rich. He also wrote a book called Outwitting the Devil. And he talks about the devil not necessarily being this, you know, this um, ruler of, of hell with flames, but mm you know, ruling the earth and things like tobacco. There's a whole chapter on tobacco and the influence of tobacco at the time, which was accepted. He wrote this in the 1930s and how tobacco was a way to make us mindless and dependent on on these. So this is not, this is not new concepts that I'm thinking about, but to me, this was all new. Right. And so the explanation that my will has gotten me to this point where I literally could have, you know, um, lost my marriage and God's will will save me, and God's will is, is, is um, making me heal, it, it gave me this beautiful understanding of why I did the things I did. Because before that, I was like, what's wrong with me?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What's wrong with me? Why do I do these things? Mm-hmm. Why, why do I feel this way? Mm-hmm. And now what I realize is I'm just human. And my desires are the desires of the flesh, mm-hmm. And Satan's putting every kind of thing in front of us to lure us and tempt us at all times. And when our guard's down, he's going to come swarming in. So you always have to keep your guard up, right? So I didn't believe any of this before. Now I'm like, because you can't see it. You can't smell it. You can't taste it. So, you know, logical and stubborn as I was, I thought it couldn't be. And now I'm like, there is no way to explain how this guy is on the phone, Mm -hmm. why I'm hanging off the roller coaster, why the dog dies, why, you know, the, the... I'll give you one more example in the opposite realm of, of God at work through angels. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, you know, uh, like I think it was a few days after my wife came back to me. um, I I just wanted to spend a lot of time with my family. I was so grateful to have them back. And so we would go on these walks. This is right after COVID happened and we would just take a walk every afternoon. It was lovely. It was me and my wife and we talk and and my son, and we decided to go on a scavenger hunt. So we're looking for things that God put insects and red red balloons and all just random things on the scavenger hunt they gave us and so i'm on the scavenger hunt we find nine of the ten things the last thing is is an insect that crawls
2: yeah
1: an insect that crawls anywhere we were looking for spiders we were looking for um different insects and i remember i I walked by and i said a little prayer um uh and i'm like god you know maybe you can give us a caterpillar right now we'll find a beautiful caterpillar and I get to my house and in the front of my doorpost, there is a sign. It says the Cognac's. And on top of the sign is a caterpillar hanging down. Wow. And then I look up and there's caterpillars all above. And they were not there when I left for that walk. Wow. There's caterpillars hanging. And for the next couple of weeks, there were, they became cocoons and, they be- and then they became butterflies. And every time, and we literally watched these butterflies hatch and fly away. Oh. And before one of them hatched, I remember staring and you could see the butterfly. And I just thank God. I said, God, thank you for reminding me you're here. Thank you for you know, giving me your blessing. And right when I said that prayer, the butterfly flew, flew at that moment, opened up and flew. And so the fact that there were caterpillars hanging, the fact that they were right under me. And what does a caterpillar symbolize? Change. A caterpillar sheds its old cocoon and becomes a butterfly so you can fly. The symbolism was not lost on on me. Mm. I thought it was just God answering my prayers and making my son happy to find this, but it wasn't. It was me realizing that I was metamorphosizing into someone else, someone bigger. The final thing is the, the caterpillar that was low, that was hanging off the sign by my doorbell, died it fell to the ground it didn't become a butterfly but the ones that were hanging from the roof higher all survived and became butterflies mm-hmm. but what does that say when you're grounded in god when you're grounded up above then you can fly if you're grounded on this earth mm-hmm. then you die mm-hmm. and that's the same right. eternal life so the symbolism of that caterpillar it's like and then in literally um Justin, this, this butterfly that has, he comes around, they come around and I'm with my son and they come to my backyard and I swear they're my guardian angels and they come around and I just am so grateful. And you know, it's, it's hard. I will say, because I still have that voice that wants me to work more. You know, I've been working five or six hours a day at Salesforce, honest, when I used to work 10 because i'm making time for podcasts i'm making time for coaching i'm making time for mentorship for meetings for family for every day i have lunch with my wife so i'm saying i am putting my time where my and my priorities are saying you can't say i'm a great husband and not be there for your family you can't do that you're a hypocrite you're a liar and you're not doing god's will at that point god wants you to provide for your family but he also wants you to provide by giving your time as a husband. So I've started going to my son's therapies and doing ABA work with him. I've started just reading. It, it, it's just, it, what I'm reading now is, is, is Bible based mm-hmm. literature, Bible based 12 step recovery, um, Christian based, um, marriage, you know, um, marriage in, in, the eyes of, of God. And, and, um, I, I truly do believe and feel like, um, there is, we are at war, There's a war going on between what God wants and what our our own fleshly desires want. And and it's like, unless you're diligent on that war, and that's the war that is preached. And and I'm not talking about secular Christianity. I'm talking about truly not being a Christian, going to church once a week. I'm talking about everyday living in in Bible principles and living and studying the Bible and truly um, applying it to your daily life, not just once a week, calling yourself a good Christian. and then know doing all these things in sin and and, in thinking you're you're atoned because you go to church so so for me christianity just makes sense it just makes sense there's too much in 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 there is there has to be a counterbalance judaism i was raised jewish and we don't talk about the devil it's not mentioned at all but it certainly is mentioned a lot in the bible so what what else explains why we do what we do Mm. what else there is no explanation so for me it's given given me something that really Helps me come to terms as to why I, I did the things I did and in and, mm-hmm. and, and just being human and, and, and made of this world. And, and just, just um, it gives me a compass and a map mm-hmm. on on how to live my life and, you know, how to stay grounded. And I'm not perfect. Gosh, I sin every day through some of the things you mentioned. But I know sinning in your thoughts and sinning in your actions are two different things, right? I know I'm not going get drunk Mm -hmm. right god doesn't like drunkenness i know i'm not going to go um uh, pursue anything uh outside of my integrity of my marriage Mm i was doing before i know i'm not going to cheat on my taxes Mm. so there's the actions and there's the thoughts my thoughts might go to places but as long as i don't act and that's what self-control means um the the fruit of the spirit my favorite scripture is galatians 5:22, and it talks about um the fruit of the spirit versus the fruit of the the flesh and um it, it it is my it's it's how i try to live live my life and um i don't memorize all all of all of these things but um it's galatians 5:19 to 21 it says now the works of the flesh are seen and they are sexual immorality uncleanness brazen conduct, idolatry, spiritism, hostility, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, dissensions, divisions, sex, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and things like these. I'm forewarning you about these things the same way I already warned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit God's kingdom. On the other hand, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, mildness, self-control. Against, against such things, there, are, there is no law. So it's like every scripture is like like mm-hmm. so helpful in recovery, but also so helpful in marriage and so helpful in um fatherhood. I mean like yes. it's just I don't know why I didn't come to this realization before, except to say I was blind and, and I wasn't exposed to it. So now it's like okay, now you have you can go towards the light the light or you can stay in the darkness. So I'm choosing to consciously do my best to stay in the light.
0: Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And for everyone listening, every one of us can find at some point in our life, maybe it's already happened to you. Maybe it's happening right now. Maybe it's going to happen to you. You may find that God is wrapping you in a cocoon and you're going to become a butterfly and your, your second season or your next season of your life may be so different. From the one before and God's gonna use you for the kingdom he can use you for good regardless of what your experience has been how you've shown up so far who you've been so far what behaviors you've had so far God wants to use you for good and Ian is one of the greatest salespeople I've ever known somebody who's literally earned over a million dollars in a year as a salesperson and I thought about ending the call asking him for some sales tips but it just doesn't feel so important anymore So we're going to leave that out. We'll probably have them on again and we'll talk sales at some point in the future, but this is so much more important than that. Ian, thank you.
1: I can can give, I can give, um, your audience in particular, I know there's probably entrepreneurs and salespeople and I coached them and, um, I can tell you this Bible principles apply to selling
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and specifically serving and being interested Mm -hmm in your clients and truly having and doing and taking an interest in their success will make you successful as a salesperson
2: yeah.
1: going in and truly understanding whatever you sell, whatever um, for large enterprises, fortune 500 companies, or you're an insurance salesman in selling to your neighbors, whatever you sell, if you take an interest in, in understanding what your client wants and help them with what they want you will get what you want mm. and you know it's the opposite of of the greedy salesperson who's trying to slam deals and trying to do what's right right for them if you can take that same outward focus on others and helping others and, and i've been selling this way for many years right mm. this is very good at is is understanding a client's need putting myself in their shoes and helping them be mm. successful and that's how i've had you know, tremendous success in sales versus you know being um, inward focused on my own commissions, my own targets, my own agenda. Right? I just show up and listen, and you know, it, it's amazing what happens when you when you take an interest and when you empathize and when you actively inquire about your clients. And in um, I teach this stuff. I put out for anyone listening, I put a newsletter every week. I put a new video with sales training content and. Um, you know, how, how do you go from good to great? And, and it's the same way you can break any, uh, addiction. It's the same way you can, you know, um, uh, accomplish any kind of goal you set your mind to, which is, um, you, you have to, you have to take a beginner's mind. You have to say, I don't know everything. My way is not the right way and, and get help. And that's, that's kind of my next, uh, my next move is really helping salespeople, not just, um, you know, sell more through tactics, but sell more by being a better person. To be a better person, you can be a better salesperson. And yes. when you start by taking care of yourself, taking care of your family, you show up just a lot more relaxed. You show yes. up a lot more, um, you know, you can re- relate a lot better when, versus like, you're- you're so stressed out and I've seen both types of salespeople and the relaxed ones and the ones that really don't need the sale the ones that actually do the best and so not having that you know that that dependency um on on your clients to to do business is is amazing how much it makes them want to do business with you when when they don't think you need them
0: so yes yes amen
1: yeah, we can say that for another time, but that's that's the kind of stuff.
0: Um, Great feedback already. Yeah, it's, that's so good. That's so good. I'm sure people are taking away from that, not needing the sale, taking care of things in their life, coming to the call calm and relaxed, and as a leader who is there to serve first. It's so important. It takes a real interest in their clients. Thank you for sharing. Ian, if people want to stay connected with you, if they want to get on your email list to receive your weekly newsletter, how can they do that?
1: Yeah, so... A couple ways. Um, I'd say start at my website. It's com. Uh, Justin will put the link in. Uh, I, I will preface it that I, I'm at capacity uh, for, for sales training. So I can't do one-on-one training or coaching because I have a book client list and I am very committed to Salesforce. Um, and I, I just, uh, like I said, I want to live where my values are and not take on more, Sometimes by saying no, you, you can say yes to a lot of other things. So, um, I'm not taking clients at the moment, but there is a wait list for, you know, for, um, my, my sales, I'm releasing a course for sales training, but for everyone public for free right now, um, there's a, a, a link on there that that's to sign up for my newsletter. The other place I am mostly is LinkedIn. So I put a video out. Um, I have a YouTube channel, uh, Ian Cognac, uh, LinkedIn, YouTube, and my website—three places. Sign up for my newsletter. You just go right to the website, um, and if you, you know, if you do want to connect on LinkedIn, I'm, I'm there. Uh, YouTube has a library of all the videos I've been putting out on sales training. It's all for free, and eventually, I will be um, coaching and, and training um, salespeople in, in, you know, helping them go from good to great and br- break through that barrier that. Um, we all kind of set on ourselves and impose on ourselves. So those are the places to find me. And I look forward to, um, feedback. If you have feedback on this episode and please resonates, if you struggle with addiction in particular, um, and you need help in this, you know, let me know. And I can, um, you know, I can share resources and, and how I've been able to, you know, to, uh, free up, um, you know, free myself from that, that, uh, those handcuffs that, that were placed on me for my whole life. So
0: I love it. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart, Ian, for sharing your story with so much courage and vulnerability. Thank you for the way you're showing up now as a leader in your family and in the business and marketplace. And I just really appreciate you so much. And I know our listeners do too. We'll talk again. I know we'll have you back and uh, I'm here for you, man, here to pray for you and be on the journey with you. Thank you. Thank you, you but-
1: Thank you for being here, Justin. Much appreciated, man. Mm
0: -hmm. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Faith to Influence podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we look forward to connecting with you more in the future. If you are a Christian man in sales or in business and you want more community, if you would like to continue to learn and grow in the areas of sales and leadership and relationships and do it all through a Christ-like lens, then I would invite you to check out f2itribe.com slash tribe, where you can join our membership community. It's only $47 a month and we provide tremendous content and value on a monthly basis. I'm sure you'll love it. If you're curious, go to the page, check it out for a video that shares more. That's f2itribe.com slash tribe. Cheers.